0: Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango.
1: And I am your co-host, Buddy.
0: And today we're going to talk a little bit about rating. but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast.
1: Well, on this podcast, we like to talk about games. And if there's any game that I feel like has per- permeated the the sort of the underlying foundations of the podcast, a big one for me has to be World of Warcraft, obviously. Um, and the end game, activity that attracts me the most in WoW has for a long time been raiding right like I've been raiding for you know about 10 years in various degrees of severity and sort of seriousness but we had an interesting experience two weeks ago when we did a raid not in World of Warcraft but in Destiny 2 now we had done a little bit of raiding in Destiny 2 beforehand but this was like a full-on you know uh 4 5 hours of just like straight learning the fights and doing the raid and kind of wiping and bringing it back over and over and over again kind of thing and i think it has really the 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 sort of cross section of the two has uh has put some things into sharp relief for me that i'm uh that i'm really interested to break down um as well as i guess some like wider Discussions of uh, of what raiding looks like.
0: Yeah, we we did two different raid layers. Uh, I believe it was Spire of the Stars and uh, what was the other one? Um, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. So uh, Eater of Worlds. Uh, yeah, I think it was Eater of Worlds. Oh yeah, okay.
1: Because yeah. Eater of Worlds is like the Vex machine in the bottom of the thing or whatever. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and Spire of the Stars is the one with the. Uh, with the with the big guy at the end. Uh but yeah, it was it was definitely from my perspective, right? I haven't done a ton of rating in Destiny, mostly because um you have to go out like you can't match make easily inside the game for it. and I could do it um uh through like the LFG stuff, but like that probably involves like jumping onto Discord with someone. And so at some point I might do it, but I just didn't care enough. we had the six people. Um we finally had the six people, which is kind of the big uh, impetus is you got on for it. And then a uh, friend of the cast, June Key, um, built a Windows machine at some point in the past month or so and got into Destiny. So uh, we were able to kind of get everybody together and do it. Um, and, uh, you know, I have done a lot of Destiny content and ratings probably the most difficult PVE content. Um, obviously, PvP varies significantly, but like... Uh, Raiding requires the most, I would say, out-and-out coordination. Um, Most of the other matchmaking activities um, are kind of either simpler or fail-forward. Something that you haven't done yet, but like Menagerie and uh, Sundial, which are the new activities, which is a new activity, rather. Um, have some of these mechanics, but if you screw them up, you just, like, make less progress towards the end goal and you just keep going until it's full. It's it's a very kind of, like, noob-friendly system, which these raids are kind of not, Um, especially since, like, there's no guide on how any of this works inside the actual game. Um, Yeah,
1: that is certainly a weird piece. I mean, to be fair, right, like, that... This isn't new in the MMO genre. Um, MMO games and designers have always sort of relied on what is effectively sort of third party like sites, you know, YouTube content creators, these kinds of people to put up like guides. Um, But it is weird, you know, that you are sort of expected to just kind of like intuit certain interactions. And one of the things about that sort of third-party design uh, is that it becomes hard to, like, in a certain sense, sort of, like, trust your sources. Like, there were definitely mechanics in the raid that we did in Destiny 2 where the mechanics of that raid worked differently than they were explained in the guide that we were using, which made made it sort of hard to deal with, in a way.
0: Yeah, no, I would absolutely agree. I think this comes out of... Bungie's tradition of like letting things be solvable, right? Like it, like it being a community, like Bungie has a long history of community puzzles going back to like uh, I think it's called like I Love Bees, was like the original Halo 2 or 3 ARG, which was like ludicrous. Um, uh, but um, like whereas like with WoW, right? Like mechanics kind of fall into a subset of things and like if even if you it's not immediately apparent right like you can mouse over them and you'll get some indication of like how they're supposed to work and nothing's like too out there destiny's just kind of like what the fuck like i don't understand how anybody figures out these things in the general like at this point there's enough raids that like you can kind of build like a corpus of like things that you know how things generally work but like I would not want to be involved in kind of like figuring this stuff out on the on the bleeding edge, um, just because like how are you supposed to figure out like what you're supposed to do with like like the so the first new encounter in um, Spire of the Stars involves tossing a ball around while standing on pillars and like then like dunking the ball in the middle and it's like none of that is like super obvious in the first place and like well I get like I guess there's some joy in figuring that out like. I feel like it's like you know, there's there's already enough of a uh, like coordination difficulty that like I wouldn't want to try and do that ad hoc. Um, like I I don't know if you remember were you around when we did the original Leviathan back in like back when Destiny two first launched.
1: So I did one. I think I was there for like one of a couple of different nights when we did the original. Because I remember doing the the baseball. Um, or not the baseball, the basketball with the you know, like you run around the circle, or like one yeah, person has to run the around gauntlet. the circle and then it unlocks and then you run in the middle. Like I was one of the runners or whatever. Um, so I have done a little bit of that stuff.
0: Yeah, like when we first tried that, um, I don't, uh, we we tried to like we were like, oh, we'll just kind of like figure it out. Um, the first thing we do is the baths for those of you at home, and like, uh, like we tr- we were we just like tried to figure out what it was for like half an hour like we're not getting fucking anywhere we went and looked it up like it I cannot I cannot fathom like doing that like doing that just kind of casually right like it feels like it's meant to be um, explored and like like looking up a like looking up a guide seems to be like the quote unquote right way to do it yeah um, but how would you describe your experience with with the Destiny read? since it's like Basically, I do want to say that I think
1: part into. of that is uh, fun, in a way. Like, something that can be aggravating in raid environments is when raiding just sort of becomes choreography, right? Where the mechanics and, like, the strategies of everything are so clear and, like, drawn out that really what the raid is testing your ability to do is, like, dance, the mechanics correctly, right? And it's like, there's a certain amount of that that's, like, fun, like, getting a certain number of people to all, you know, do the electric slide, essentially. And the raid gets penalized if somebody, like, you know, goes to the right instead of going to the left or whatever the, you know, whatever this metaphor means. Um, But there's also a lot of fun in sort of, like, discovering how to beat this stuff, right? Um, And... You know, like part of that is like enacting strategies that work for like you and your team in a way that like you a grade guide has a harder time breaking down. Does that make sense? Um,
0: it, it, it does. The only thing I'm going to say, kind of in contrast to that, is that there's a a distance between like, you know, you know, ultimately you have to like do these things. And then you'll like unlock the next phase and how you get there is kind of up to you guys, right? We, we and we did some of that in Spire of the Stars, right? Yeah. Um, but like I think a step back from that and the way that like you kind of like all like you have to figure out what you're even supposed to do in the first place. Um in Destiny.
1: With- yeah. See like, okay, so one of the things that I think is interesting, so part of my enjoyment of a game like Payday is this interaction, right? In Payday, the objectives are pretty simple and pretty straightforward and it's pretty easy to intuit what is going on such that you need to respond to it, right? The police are coming for, you know what I mean? You have to wait the five minutes while your drill is going into the vault. Then the drill breaks into the vault and you need to gather up all of the bags and get them to the van. And it's very open-ended how you do this stuff, right? Do you want to do a thing where you, you put one person as a bag runner... And, you know, he's going back and forth while everyone is trying to keep his, like, kind of corridor to the van clear. Do you want everybody to pick up bags and run together in a four-person team? right um do you want to move the bags in small groups right like you're first you're gonna drop them off at this corner then you're gonna take them just outside the door then you're gonna take them from the door to the van those are all like very viable strategies for how to complete a bank heist in payday and payday sort of asks you to come up with those strategies yourself and part of what facilitates that is how simple it is to understand right you are bank robbers. this is the process of robbing the bank it takes maybe one run To make it clear on how, you know, like, on what robbing the bank actually, like, entails. And you kind of, like, go from there, right? Where on the other end of the spectrum, you sort of have, like, like, wow, right? Which does a pretty good job of communicating how stuff works to you um, just in terms of the dungeon journal, which will, you know, like break down the fights and the different abilities or whatever. Um, and it's like easy to intuit that like, okay, when I'm reading this mechanic, this is how this works. This is how the fight goes. I I, I get it or whatever. Right. But the sort of the str- the strategy that is specific inside of a wow raid is typically very like low level, Stuff in the sense of like who are the specific people that are, you know, like running whatever kind of like objective or like responding to things on the fly in an appropriate, in an appropriate sort of manner. Um, And part of that is that it encourages you to walk in as a team with different roles where each role specializes, right? So in WoW, you have tanks, healers, melee, and ranged DPS, and those four roles all have four different responsibilities over the course of a raid encounter. Melee DPS might have to set up an interrupt rotation to make sure the boss never gets off like a really bad ability the tanks are going to have to position the boss in order to get you know this mechanic done or that mechanic done range dps are going to have you know to burn down the ads before they hit the boss and the boss heals for 10 percent of its health whatever those kind of things may be and the the joy there a lot of the time kind of comes from you know you have your role and fulfilling your role as part of a team in the same way that like on the football team or whatever, right? A linebacker, the quarterback, and, you know, a wide receiver all have different roles to play, but when they play, but, like, when they function together, that feels good. Do you know what I mean? The thing about Destiny is it's kind of, like, off on its own, making, it is both impenetrable, so, like, you don't kind of get to make strategies on the fly in a way. It feels much more like trial and error, um... And at the same time, the the team nature also doesn't quite work. Like, so one of the experiences that I had when we were raiding the other day is that there were spe- specified roles on like the team, but they were assigned randomly. Right. So what I'm specifically mentioning is like Inspire of the Stars. There's a there's a mechanic where one player like takes an elevator up to the you know to to space or whatever. Think about how different that raid encounter would play out if you could just choose who goes rather than having to have a specific person get a specific debuff who goes. Do you know what I mean? Because like I kind of felt like it's it would kind of be like walking into a wow raid and then getting assigned healer or like assigned melee DPS, right? Like, one of the things that make WoW Raids work is that tanks and healers don't really need to understand what one another do. Like, tanks need to understand what tanks do. Healers need to understand what healers do. And they interact here and there, right? Like, But, like, you don't need a complete overview of what every single role does in the fight in order to exert mastery over it, right? I just need to fulfill my role. In the Destiny Raid, if one person was not up to speed on every piece of the mechanic that was wipe that was like wipe worthy do you know what i mean which i found to be intensely frustrating
0: yeah so i think there's a couple of things there I, i think you're mostly right i think that there's like there are times when we assign rules right like you and i doing in the final boss fight of spire we were we were the ones that like went and grabbed some uh some of the balls and like tossed them back to the other guys um and that's assignable um, I think the random debuff thing is a little bit less, like, there are times in WoW Raids, I can't remember specific mechanics, but, like, when, like, randomly some of the DPS get marked with a certain mark. And I think that that's kind of analogous, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fair.
0: I think that the bigger thing, though, um, is that, you know, WoW Raids are 15 to 20 people, right? Are, and, like, sometimes, you know, previously more. Um, Destiny Raids are 6, right so whereas like you can design a wow raid with like one to like three people's worth of failure um and still have a successful raid like i don't think the design works so well for destiny because then like you kind of like lose the shot jo- like like because there are such a few num- such a small number of people everybody kind of has to be on point and i do agree with you that that's super frustrating right like if one person like in Wow, especially at like the lower difficulty levels. If one person stands in the fire, it's not the end of the world, right? In Destiny, if one person stands in the fire, that's a wipe, right? Like um and you know, it's not quite that bad, but but I think like, it, it approaches that, right? Like if one person is Well,
1: isn't... so I will say one thing, which is that uh Destiny is much more forgiving about death than than WoW is. Part of this is that there are a lot of just like insta-kill mechanics um most times in WoW raids, unless you're wearing, like the very top level, there are few insta-kill mechanics. Part of this is just kind of because of how healers work. But, like, players will typically die when, one, healers are overloaded, and, two, they, like, fuck something up. Do you know what I mean? Which is, like... It's kind of like an an extra sort of, like, layer of failure. Whereas there were a lot of mechanics, for instance, like, getting inflamed or whatever. Like, yeah, if you just happen to step into the ball thing without a ball, you're engulfed, you'd get the engulfed debuff, and just 15 seconds later you die no matter what. That's it. GG. You know what I mean? Um, And obviously, you know, like, there are no healers in Destiny, so you can't, like, offset that stuff with, like, a player interaction. But there are plenty of lethal mechanics in WoW that you can kind of, like... If your healer team is on point and doing their job, you can recover from that stuff. Um and on the flip side, WoW is much more punishing about death in the sense that you you only get one or two battle reses per, you know, like encounter. Whereas in Destiny you get six, right? So if people go down, it's not the end of the world. You just kinda have to make sure that you right, like bring them back up efficiently.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um Although I think there's, like, a, a piece it's just, like, I think damage just kind of plays out differently in, in Destiny 2, right? Like, uh, like you are going to get shot at some point by something, right? Um, and it's not a matter of, like, it's, like, how much you get shot and, like, there's enough variance there that, like, someone might just die because, kind of, right? Like, they might just get hit one too many times. Uh, without like it being like a mark against their ability to do the mechanics, um, but yeah, I, def- I definitely see see your point. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a pretty big. Uh, this is this is the sort of thing that makes me appreciate the sort of like tank healer DPS di- dynamic that goes into. Uh, I don't want to say modern MMO design, but just MMO design in a in a broad sense, right? Um, you know, we see these sorts of interactions uh between the different like roles that help smooth out some of these you're right you know even just simple things like uh someone standing in the fire is something that like a healer can kind of like cover for but like because destiny and like there are definitely mechanics that are like this that you can like you know work around or whatever but like if a bunch of guys if a bunch of ads spawn they can just kill you right like that happened to me on the i guess the eater of worlds fight where like if you are running the objective and there are too many ads on the platform you could just get killed by those ads because they're they're kind of like at a critical number um which feels weird in a world where like in in the in the wow rating world there is very telegraphed incoming damage, right? Incidental damage definitely exists, but that's kind of there to sort of, like, offset healers or whatever. Um, But, like, if you stand in a big swirly, and then the swirly comes down and hits you and you die, or whatever, that feels a lot better than just kind of, like, getting, you know, shot by 50 Vex or whatever because one of the platforms wasn't cleared off.
0: Yeah. I I, I think that's part of what I meant by, like, why why it's bit more forgiving is that like you will get shot right like yeah yeah um
1: and i I, I will say that i'm really i something that i like a lot about the destiny raids is their willingness to kind of be weird with the mechanics um in the sense that like picking up the crate the vex craniums charging them in the fountains And running those charged craniums around to defuse, like, the bombs or whatever was actually, like, a really engaging way to sort of set up mechanics um, that I found really, like, refreshing. Which is kind of on the opposite end of the the WoW stuff, because WoW typically doesn't do that much of this, right? Like, most of the time in WoW, you have the same toolbox for every single fight, right? Melee DPS has the interrupts, tanks have taunts. Right? Healers have big AoE, you know, heal cooldowns. And sometimes that can make the fight seem a little bit like similar or a little bit like too kind of like readable in a way. Because it's like, oh, well, this is a magic debuff that a healer can dispel once every eight seconds. Right? And when you dispel it, it does this kind of thing. Or, oh, this is a cast that's interruptible, so we should set up an interrupt rotation. So it kind of feels in a certain sense in some WoW encounters that things are too sort of simple um, and too inside of the box for their own for their own kind of good um, and I liked how much destiny was willing to kind of like live outside of that box and be like hey there are these orbs you have to charge them up when you charge them up they do stuff that kind of thing
0: yeah um, and I think I think part of this too is is back to the numbers kind of thing um, uh, I like I think the wow raids are built to kind of be like with, with like one, maybe two or three people at the helm leading the raid, right? Whereas I feel like Destiny raids are much more to be like everybody's communicating with everybody. And when you're at six people, everybody can kind of like take turns talking and it's not a problem. Um, whereas if you try to do that with 20 people, it would be it would be a mess. Um,
1: yeah, and I want to say that um, uh, I, in a certain sense, this reminds me a lot of dungeons, uh, and is more comparable sides wise, which you know, kind of like fair enough. It's it's a little bit like mythics, um, in WoW. The WoW the WoW mythics are uh, because they're the they're time trial-y, They're kind of testing a different set of sort of skills. Right, you can spend as much time as you want in a WoW raid. You can spend as much time as you want in a Destiny raid, but like the mythic wants you to be efficient rather than effective. Um, But it does remind me of those sorts of, like, interactions. Like, in a mythic group, there isn't as much of a raid leader as in a a WoW raid, because a WoW raid, you know, you kind of need somebody to to wrangle the 20 people, right, Um, and call breaks and all this other sort of thing. Uh, And it's a lot easier to kind of have, like, a group of equals who are kind of, like, working through the problem together when you're down to those numbers at, like, six.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, that makes sense. Uh-huh. I
1: also think that they're testing different masteries which is really interesting. Like so for instance the wow mastery that gets tested a lot is raw DPS, right? Whereas I felt like the destiny mastery was more about like efficiency with your killing, right? Like Monic is the best player in Destiny like the best of us in destiny or whatever. And he was typically having very high kill numbers on ads or whatever, which I think is like kind of indicative of that skill in the way that in wow, what is indicative of my skill is my DPS numbers. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. uh, I think that, I think there's a little bit of a difference there, but I, I think your core point is right. Like I think that destiny is testing your coordination. I think a lot more, right? Like, it, it, funnily enough, I think that like the kind of numbers part of Destiny, which is like the DPS, um, the the DPS uh, numbers is like solved, right? Like you know, if you want to do the most amount of damage, you use this weapon or the closest thing you have to that weapon, and like that's how you do the most damage, right? Like um, something that I find particularly aggravating about Destiny is like as like a warlock you're kind of expected to go middle tree solar for the Well of Radiance. Um, uh, as and, and like Titans are expected to bubble and uh, Hunters are expected to, at least one of the Hunters is expected to go uh, top tree Night Stalker to like put the debuff on the boss, right? And like, you know, you could not do it, but at that point you're just like hurting the raid by like making it slightly, it's not as efficient in the kill. And that numbers game being solved, I think is, 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 one of the things I don't like about Destiny Raids, because it kind of, like... Like, that's where you get... Like, your build is where you get the most freedom in Destiny. Um, and so, like, kind of being pigeonholed into, like, using using Izanagi's burden and, like, throwing down well is a little bit less satisfying um, than WoW. You know, WoW, I about think Master I would have Th- agreed
1: with you. But I actually did do that change, right? At first I was... I don't even remember what it's called. I was the Lightning guy, and then I became the Void guy. Um... And the funny thing was is that because of how sparse the – and I've complained about this a lot when it comes to Destiny, so this shouldn't surprise anyone. But like because of how sparse the abilities feel in general, um, I felt that the, the real damage of me swapping from one to the other was actually pretty small. Because at the end of the day, most of my – I just wasn't using my abilities all that often in the first place. Um, because like, so in a way, because destiny sort of like de-emphasizes that aspect of your character to begin with, it also sort of meant that when I had to sort of change to the debuff, the Night Stalker debuff to help the party, I didn't feel all that robbed because like, it wasn't all that much power I was losing, you know, or it wasn't all that much self-expression I was losing in the first place. Um, though I do agree with the sentiment in general, and I do think that that kind of, like, sucks.
0: Yeah, I, I think part of that, too, is, like, as a new player, you're, like, first of all, um, X was complaining about this, which the only reason I know is you you were actually not, like, you were on the wrong void tree, which had some sort of, he, he was going on about this, but it had some sort of deleterious effect, right? Like, you were supposed to go top tree, and you went bottom tree, which meant that we didn't get as much of a damage debuff, and he was like, we could have one-phased in. Like, this is the type of thing that drives me fucking nuts, right? Like, it's like... Um. Um. And like, I think I, but in the general case, I think I kind of agree with you, right? Like, I like doing my maha, but at the end of the day, um, doing the well of radiance isn't the biggest change. The bigger change, and this is something you don't have to deal with as a newer player, is like having to run a specific exotic because oh, that's the yeah, one that deals yeah. the most yeah, damage. Yeah, for sure.
1: Because that seems to be where Destiny wants yeah. you to express yourself the most.
0: Yeah, is uh, is in the guns. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. Like you know some like you know running is nagi's burden isn't the end of the world um and like for raids i can generally put most of that aside but like it's still kind of like but i like using you know hand cannons and just like not the right thing to use for for this encounter and i think there there can be a balance there i think it's just a little bit too far in the like you know you really should be using the most effective thing um and yeah. yeah i actually
1: i think both of those should sort of come out of Destiny Raids. Um, Firstly, from a sort of... uh, I actually think that if I were a designer on Destiny, I would make an argument that all supers that benefit the group are bad. In the same sort of ways that, like... Do you remember... Do you remember um, the, like, Aegis of the Legion era of uh, League of Legends? Yeah, yeah. I think it's that same sort of problem where it's just, like, when you take a benefit and multiply it by six other people... It's it's just so pow- it's just so powerful. Yeah. Right? And so you kind of have to compartmentalize it down to individuals. And like, yeah, sure, you know, the arc hunter is gonna have a different sort of DPS interaction than the solar hunter. Like, so for instance, something I did is when we went to the um oh uh, god. The final boss in Edo of Worlds. Where, you know, you have to shoot the... You have to, like, shoot the orbs with the right kind of energy, and it'll unlock his shield. And in that shield window, you have, like, a time to DPS. Well, obviously, I couldn't do anything with my super there, so I swapped to the golden gun. And that felt good and effective, right? Because, like, here I was, and I could do this thing where I went pow, 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 for a bunch of crazy precision damage. Because it's all precision damage when you do that or whatever. Um, Like, that felt really good. But, like... You know, a, a version of things where, you know, I have to make the the decision to debuff the boss for everybody because we're all going to be doing 20% more damage or whatever. Or you need to drop Well of Radiance because we're all going to be getting that, like, benefit times sort of five. I don't know. I just I feel like that, in general, is, like, pretty not great game design. Um,
0: yeah. No, I, I either it has to be that, like, like, at the very least, you need, like, more than one of them. Right? Like... Um, Every class has one of them, right? Like, I mean, I guess, like, the Night Stalker one has two variants, but they're basically the same thing. Um, But, like, I mean, I think it's a little bit worse for Warlock, too, because, like, there is a specific exotic that I really should be using on my legs, which is called Lunafaction Boots, which gives you increased reload speed in the well. And, like, that just, like, makes the, you know, like you said, multiply by six makes the team so much more effective that it's kind of... It's it's kind of aggravating. At some level, I get the like, you know, like, well, like, it's about like kind of executing on the on the uh, on the mechanics, but like, part of the problem with this is that this is also like not the intention of like like it is not specifically designed this way. I mean, it might be to a certain extent, but like, the game is not designed so that warlocks always have to use. Well, of Radiance, it just kind of, like, falls out that that's the most effective way to do things. Yeah. Um, And, like, I I think I agree with you that that's that's ultimately kind of a problem.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I do sort of think... This is something I I encounter in WoW Rating a lot, which is that, like, people get hung up on generalizations when specifics would do them justice. Um, I think about this in... um, So, in the Uldir raid which is the first raid tier of battle for azeroth um i was playing arms warrior and arms warrior has a couple of different cool they, they have sort of two cooldowns right one of them is called colossus smash which can be upgraded into warbringer um warbringer does a big aoe on your person and applies a debuff to everybody around you to take 30 extra damage from you for the next 10 seconds right and then there's Blade Storm, and that has a cooldown of about forty-five seconds. And then there's Blade Storm, which has a cooldown of about a minute and a half. Uh, which is two 45 second chunks right um which says for six seconds you just spin in a circle and you hit everybody for a bunch of melee damage you're basically uh doing high high burst aoe damage for the for the six seconds of bladestorm right if i were to look at any guide out there it would tell me to use my cooldowns on cooldown right as soon as as soon as warbringer comes up use it as soon as Storm comes up use it because every second of it being up but me not using it in a generalized encounter is a second of wasted dps but something that i actually found was much more important when we were raiding in uldir was to save those cooldowns for kind of key precise moments of maximum value Um, and in this instance, what it was is we were, we were on a boss fight. We were doing progression on this boss fight where the boss spawns essentially four adds and the adds are all walking into the boss. And if they reach the boss, they do big bursts of AOE damage. If one of them gets in, that's okay. Like healers can recover it. But if two of them get in, that basically wipes the raid. And we were, and we were like losing on this boss. And something that I realized was that, I could pair up Bladestorm and Warbringer on that phase to do an intense amount of burst AoE damage to those adds, right? As soon as they got in range of Warbringer, I could hit all four of them with Warbringer and then spend the next six seconds Bladestorming. And that high, high damage would make sure that none of them ever reached the boss, right? And the boss would do this every 45 seconds, which meant that every one of my Warbringers would then be properly timed, Right. With the ad spawning and every other one, I would be able to, to sort of like storm on top of it. But the thing is, is that that ad face was triggered when the boss hit 70 percent and we, you know, that could happen at any time or whatever. And so the proper thing for me to do as a player exerting mastery over my spec in this boss fight or whatever was to use Bladestorm right at the top of the fight and then hold it. Because when it hits 70% and we start hitting this ad phase or whatever, the important thing was that I had my Bladestorm Warbringer combo for the ads as they spawned, not that I had the highest DPS numbers, right? If I'm hitting Bladestorm and Warbringer on cooldown, I'm going to have higher DPS. Excuse me, I'm going to have higher DPS numbers because obviously I'm going to be spending less time on. Uh, you know with them off cooldown ready to be hit but because the inflection point of the raid the point of the raid that we were wiping was when was not being able to get those ads down fast enough it actually mattered a lot more for me to use the combo there right and that's something that i think also sort of affects how we look at things like the pool of or the Well of Radiance in the Destiny Raid, right? Like, yeah, in a generalized sense, it's probably true that a bunch of people sitting there and, like, unloading and reloading or, or and, like, firing and reloading and getting higher reload speeds or whatever in the well is, like, more useful. But, like... In an actual gameplay sense, it might be the correct answer to sort of say, you know what? At this point of the fight, there's a ton of ads, and I would rather use the Kamehameha to just like nuke all of these ads and and get us through that trouble phase rather than anything else. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. No. I I I, I know what you're saying. I think.
1: Unfortunately, it... Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't really feel that ever in yeah. the Destiny raid, um, which might just be like the the raids are not super well designed for this kind of like you know, small, small iterative mastery. Um, because it sort of felt like guys would just spawn when they spawned, and there wasn't much you could sort of, like, do or have to deal with about that. Um, and yeah. uh, the bosses would sort of unlock for damage where you just sat and unloaded on them without any real... Yeah,
0: I, 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 think you're, I think you're mostly right. I, I, I think part of this is that, like, with the, uh, with the transversive steps thing in particular, right? Like, exotic armor pieces in destiny usually like augment your damage in some way and this is like like you were saying right like there's a like transversive steps is a is a piece of equipment that gets multiplied by six because it affects everybody on your team whereas almost every other one isn't going to do that right like it's just going to um increase your personal damage which you know at small level uh, you know like uh, in smaller activities is easier to balance against like but like at a six person activity it's gonna you know it's, it's gonna clearly outclass the other stuff um and uh uh the other like honestly the biggest difference i i feel with with the thing that you're identifying in particular is that like if you like it's your power weapon choice right because like if you switch to like if you're using like a like a, a single target weapon which is like generally like the grenade launchers with spike grenades right like you 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 get your role on that and that like that was you do mass dps to the boss but like in say spire of the stars i was running a machine gun to clear ads faster and i didn't do as much boss damage as a result but you know that's i think a decent trade-off but that's like such a small piece of it and you can accomplish that without using with it without doing that um
1: Yeah, I feel like a lot of this just comes down to the fact that, like, the general structure of the boss fights were all, the boss is immune, you have to do something to, like, de-immunize the boss, and when you do that thing, you just sit and unload, essentially.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's um, approximately right.
1: And, uh, I don't know, because, like, because that's one of the things that makes the, in 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 WoW raiding, the boss is almost always... Like up for damage, right, and sometimes it's not like the correct priority, like you know the the first boss in battle for Zaro lore she spawns ads, and the expectation is that the dps will like, go and kill the ads and then come back to the boss, like the ads will always take those that sort of priority uh, but like at the end of the day, you know if you just wanted to and people do this right like if you just want to dps the boss and ignore the ads, you can you know, and um. And I feel like maybe that like sort of restriction isn't isn't the greatest, and I wonder how they would sort of like deal with that. Uh, yeah, because I, I don't think I I've seen a Destiny boss fight where the boss was just like accessible for damage at all times, but also like my priorities were elsewhere. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I, I I bet you I bet you that part of this is is so in Destiny One the like the very beginning of Destiny One one of the big criticisms was the bosses were just like absurd bullet sponges and i played a little bit of that and i can definitely agree with that um but i just don't i don't think the gameplay works as well with the kind of like sustained you know Mm -hmm. 15 to 20 minutes of doing rotations like i like that doesn't work as well for for a shooter yeah and so you have to kind of do this like lock because if you just leave the boss open and you have, like, a reasonable amount of health on a boss, I guarantee you the first thing that people are going to do is, like, bring four isanagis, throw down a well, and, or, like, six isanagis, throw down a well, and just, like, kill it within, like, 15 seconds and never touch another ad, right? Like, um, that happens in some of the strikes. Is like, if people are good enough, they'll just, like, like, murder through the boss before it even gets to do any of the interesting mechanics. Um, once you, like, pass a certain point.
1: I'll yeah, like... I think part of it is because uh, the complexity in a first-person shooter comes down a lot to, like, sort of like target selection yeah whereas the complexity in the like the second second gameplay of uh of something like wow or like other mmos is your rotation right um sitting and doing my rotation on the boss in wow feels good but like yeah. sitting and aiming at the boss's face and leaning on the fire key until he dies is not do you know what yeah. i mean yeah
0: yeah no that that, that, that is exactly right um yeah, and I don't I don't know how like I I think the the problem you've you've kind of highlighted is correct. I just don't know how you fix it in the first person kind of context. Um I feel like maybe I should play some more uh, Borderlands 3 cuz I think they have like like I don't know how how intense how intense the mechanics are for, for Borderlands 3, but that is kind of the the type of gameplay I think. Um yeah,
1: yeah. I mean that, and that kind of like boss design isn't something that you know. I have like there are no bosses in Payday, right? Um, it is all about wave management. Essentially, the boss fight is just all ads, um, and it is about kind of like keeping your kill density up while completing the objectives, right? Because if you're not killing a certain amount of guys at a certain rate, right, you just you'll be too busy shooting to ever do the objectives. Um, and that's the thing that, like, you know, playing playing in a good lobby versus playing in a bad lobby in Payday 2 is sort of, like, all about that, right? Is how how efficient can you be with your time that you are both, you know, moving the bags to the van or whatever and killing lots of cops to keep them kind of, like, off your shit uh, at the same time? And I think in a certain sense that, that, that feels kind of like the Destiny Strikes that I've done. Um, or also, you know... Uh, the earlier yeah.
0: encounters in the raids are can be like that but they're not particularly difficult right like both of our both of our like pain points on both of the raids that we did were um were those uh uh what were the bosses right and we i even did a so earlier this week i did scourge of the past which is another one with um some other uh with without you just cuz you weren't around but uh uh similarly right like the first three encounters were all right and we spent like an hour on the last boss trying to figure out how to do it just cuz like um usually the maneuvering around the boss damage phase is like its own set of issues that like it it, it it I don't know what it is about the destiny redesign but that always seems to be the biggest pain point is like getting yourself to the point where like you you can damage the boss and then doing enough damage to the boss to get it to, to go down it just always seems to have like a be like an order of magnitude more difficult than than the than the other encounters, um, although because you can kind of kind of swing it back into like some positive praise, I do think some of like the the things you wouldn't necessarily call encounters but function that way are kind of unique and fun in Destiny, right? Like like the um, the puzzle jumping in the beginning of I think it was Eater of Worlds. Um, like the the one where the platforms jumped up and we kind of had to jump together in order, I thought that yeah. was neat and fun and broke it up. And there's like a sparrow race in uh, in uh, Scourge of the Past that I thought was a lot of fun. Did, did you have any thoughts on those? Because I really so enjoyed those so
1: things. my interesting thing with those those is they're they're trash. That's what trash is. Um, oh. And the reason that I can think about it in those terms is because so there is one raid in World of Warcraft that has no trash, which is Trial of the Crusader. And uh, and at the time that it came out, this is patch like 3.2, which I think was in 2009 or something. The time when it came out, they were very open about that. They were like, yeah, you know, like we look at raids and we look at the amount of time that people spend doing trash. And we just kind of asked ourselves, well, what if it was like if there was no trash, right? What if it was just boss fight to boss fight to boss fight to boss fight? Um, and uh, the universal answer was that sucked because like, you know, you just didn't you never got to break up the sort of the gameplay with small scale other things um uh, so they you know they kept doing they kept doing trash um i think the, the one thing i like about uh, uh about j- that just
0: just to be clear for the, for the listeners when you say trash you mean clearing trash mobs not that the actual encounters are bad right because oh, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. Okay, that so was trash
1: like... is a specific term that is used to deal with so in a raid there are a bunch of bosses obviously right but you typically have to go through like elite mobs and most of the time so this is something i think is just like good generalized game design in in wow uh most of the time the trash will teach you how the boss works uh so for instance in the ashara raid um there's one encounter called the like radiance of his shadow or whatever. It's like this big water elemental that like pops out of the, pops out of the ground. And he has a couple of moves. One of them is like uh, these tornadoes that will knock you up and bounce you back to a bunch of damage. Another one is a, is a bomb that will be located on a player until that players is destroyed dispelled and when the players dispelled the bomb will drop off them onto the ground and you know like when it goes off it does a ton of damage um and then there's you know there's a third mechanic but let's not worry about it um and so essentially when you're going up to that boss first you fight a pack of trash that is afflicting you with the bomb then you fight a pack of trash that is dropping tornadoes then you fight a pack of draft that's doing the third thing or whatever and doing the boss fight is doing all three of those at once does that make sense And I think that that's actually a really clever way of designing trash going into your boss fight. Because a lot of the time, trash is also used for, like... Like, so, for instance, patch 8.3 dropped last week, and the raid opens tonight. In about an hour, I'm going to be going to raid um, for the first time in Ny'alotha. When it comes to that, uh, we will be... We will be explaining the fight to people, you know, like the raid leader will be saying, okay, first this happens and that happens and this happens and that that happens. That happens during trash almost always because trash is not hard to deal with. I mean, like sometimes you'll wipe to trash and it's like funny because trash you shouldn't wipe to, but you know, it is what it is. Um... And so, anyway, in Destiny, the platforming that we had to do with the ball and, like, passing the ball to one another and the platforming we had to do where you had to, like, jump in the order and make sure that, you know, you had one person on each platform, you never put two people on the platform. All of that is just trash, but, like, the Destiny version of it, um, where instead of shooting, you know, hordes of dudes or whatever, uh, you are instead doing, like, these little platforming puzzles um, which simultaneously, I was very aggravated at the time, but I kind of like look back, I look back on my time doing Destiny platforming trash fondly. Um, cause I, when we were doing it, I was really frustrated cause I was like, oh my fucking God, why am I doing first person platforming in a shooter? It just felt like, you know what I mean? It felt like Mario, my, my Mario game had all of a sudden turned into like, you know, fucking a chess match and I have to be good at chess now in order to progress. And it's like, I didn't buy Mario to play fucking chess, you guys. But like, uh, but once I kind of realized that it was there to sort of like break things up and so it's not just shooting, shooting, shooting. I thought that, you know, it's not that bad.
0: Yeah. And and I like, I think part of the weirdness of it too, is that like some of those platform performing mechanics can just kind of be like, Bypassed if you're like a warlock with like burst glide or something, right? And I think that there's like there's like a couple places where like certain classes can like kind of like get around certain problems, but like, uh, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was uh, uh, neat, but like, uh, but yeah, I I I definitely see I I see your point, but I but I I I like the trash analogy. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um. Uh, also, destiny raids I think are just shorter too. So like you you have to do less of it to kind of get through it, right? Like you don't really progression raid in Destiny. You just like do the raid. Um, yeah, and, yeah, uh, and that's it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I
1: mean something that is that is very natural and wow is to be coming back with the same group and sort of wiping on the same boss over and over again, right? Like yeah. you know, and that is pro- you were doing progression on that boss. It might take you three or four weeks to get through, and progress past that boss um whereas i I didn't get the sense that that was something that no one has ever talked in those kinds of terms about destiny
0: yeah i mean i at the very beginning there's some of it but like very quickly it becomes like um you farm and i think part of that too is that like destiny doesn't have like the great like like everything's like if i had to place the difficulty of it like once you know the mechanics things are i think like Between, like, a raid finder and normal in terms of, like, how Destiny mechanics actually work Um, uh, with kind of, like, you know, like, maybe some fudging there. But, like, I found that, like, normal raiding in WoW, um, maybe just because the coordination stuff was more difficult than doing raids in Destiny. But it wasn't quite as trivial as, like, raid finder because raid finder is kind of, like, very easy. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you agree with that assessment or, or...
1: yeah, I mean, Ra- Raid Finder has actually gotten more difficult. Oh, um, has it? Yeah, I, if, at this point, uh, it is you, – you'll wipe in Raid Finder a couple of times, it feels like. Um, but uh, it is definitely trivial in the sense that, like, there are a few times where, you know, like, most of the time you wipe a couple of times in the Raid Finder, but then, like, eventually you get it. Because they also do that thing where they give you a buff if you wipe. They give you, right, like, right. a 5% DPS buff if you wipe, and I think it goes up to 10% or whatever. And most of the time, that's enough to get you over the hurdle. Uh, though, you know, sometimes people will sort of, like, break apart and not really, like, you know, not really get there, which kind of sucks. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I definitely do think that that sort of, like, the raid finder, normal raid dichotomy is something that, uh, that like, holds things apart a, a certain amount. Um, and, and does remind me, like, like, doing Raid Finder probably feels a lot more like doing a Destiny raid in the sense that, like, the problem always feels surmountable, whereas when you're doing, when you're doing, like, heroic progression, a lot of the time the answer is just, I need more gear. You know what I mean? I just need better stuff to inch out a couple more points of DPS or whatever. Um and that's okay right like you know you make as a raid group right like you make those kinds of decisions and you come to those sorts of conclusions when you do and that's not the end of you know like it's not the end of the world if you get into a point where it's just kind of like you know what let's try it next week we're going to clear up to this point we're going to get a bunch of loot off of those bosses and that will put us into you know like that will make us powerful enough to keep going
0: yeah no I, i i i get that that makes sense (sighs)
1: <sighs> what, what is the what is the life cycle of uh of the destiny raids like it it is a little bit weird that like we were going and we were doing like raid content from two years ago, but it was like also feeling current
0: um it's not current right like we do it like it's so uh, something in general about Destiny is like if you over scale the content, it kind of like scales you down to it. So you're never like so far ahead of it that it's trivial um, right, in terms of like gun damage and whatnot. Um, but like what we were doing there like was helpful for like you and Junki because you didn't have a ton of gear yet. Um, but like for us, it's about – it's kind of about doing the encounters and like maybe getting a couple of unique pieces of gear that you can't get um, in other places Um, but like the actual content is just garden of salvation in terms of like improving your light level, uh, which is the, the end raid, And that's been around since the beginning of shadow keep. And, uh, I think people are like sad or mad that there isn't more raid content. That's basically current, right? Like people only Mm -hmm. run the old ones to get like rolls on guns, not because like they have like any need to do it to kind of advance their characters. Um, and I think that just speaks more to kind of like Destiny's loot system than it does to like, like as as the end game activity. The old raids really aren't; they're just kind of like fun things to do with your friends. Um, yeah,
1: that that does make sense. Like something that the WoW guys will talk about is sort of the need to out to outgrow content. Because um, some people will say this sometimes, where they're just kind of like, "Well, why don't you just like make it sort of like evergreen?" But something a, a real feeling that people go into games like WoW for is to go back to something that was challenging and it's trivial, right? Like, that feels good. Um, not in the sense of, like, I go back to a WAD raid or whatever and I solo the whole thing because, like, I'm level 120 and the bosses are all level 93 and so they can't fucking hit me or whatever. You're know, like, that's, that's, that's different. But, like, if I were to go back to the 8.0 raids, like Old Deer, right? Um, and I were to progress through Old Deer, it would just be so much easier. Than what it is to progress through Nialotha, and like that's okay. That's kind of like what makes the you know like that kind of is is how things and people do that you know like for Transmog or whatever. Like maybe you're gearing an alt, maybe you're doing achievements, that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, but I do think that that kind of aspect is important. When it comes to being able to kind of like go back and do raids, kind of sort of as though they're current content. I mean, like one of my favorite things, to be honest, about um, about playing WoW right now is that now that we're in like the end game of the cycle, right? Like at, we're in patch eight point three, and I'm like relatively well geared and all this other sort of stuff. You can do a lot of the stuff that you were expected to do in a group solo, right? Like the 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 silver dragon. Rares, which are rares that you have to have, like, 10 people to kind of, like, take down. Like, I can just solo all of those effortlessly now um, from the 8.0 content. And, like, the, the Silver Dragons in 8.2 and 8.3, well, not so much, right? But, um, but like, being able to kind of, like, go back and do those world quests feels, yeah, like, feels really good.
0: Yeah, that, that, makes, that makes sense. Uh...
1: But I also get the sense that, like, WoW has a little bit of a different kind of loot ladder... Than than Destiny does, right? Because like yeah. Destiny, it, yeah, it it, Go it on, seems sorry. like you just kind of keep getting stuff, sort of like agnostically. Is there is there ever a point when you level out of content?
0: Uh, not really, right? Like, and if there is, it's you get there like so. Things kind of have a minimum level, but once you get past that, you kind of get pushed back down to that to that minimum level. And like you can do it below level, right? Like, um, early on in Shadow Keep, right? Like running nine sixty content at nine forty gear was doable, but tough. Um, but like, and like you know the the kind of pinnacle nine eighty level content is always like out of reach at the beginning of the season. Um, but like the stuff like that you pass by like is always kind of like you never you never get past it so that like you can. Part of this is also that it's like, uh, uh, like that, like a lot of stuff is match made, right? Like, I could probably solo a couple of strikes, but like, there's no need for me to, because like, if I click on it, the game will automatically put two other people in there with me. Um, uh, there are like kind of individual challenges around like doing like the Pit of Heresy solo, um, which is one of the, they're called dungeons, um, which is kind of like a, so halfway between a raid and a strike. Um, and there are achievements for that, but there's like no real reason to do that outside of the achievement, right? Like, um, it's not like you get any special like gear for doing that. Um, uh, but I think for the most part, you're right. Like the, like the core gear cycle is not about, uh, it's not about getting, uh, getting more powerful. There's like three things you can do for that a week more if you do the, if you do the end, end game raid, but, uh. They're like there's a handful of things, let's say that you can do for however gear. It's just you repeat the activities to do uh, to to get like different roles on weapons, and you're kind of always searching for what people call the god roll, um, which you know there's like community accepted ones or whatever. But like you know, I'm gonna keep running, uh, you know, black armory so I can keep or keep running forges on the black armory so I can get uh you know like a good role on like the 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 machine that i want or whatever or like menagerie so i get the the right role on on the weapons that i get type of stuff um and you can do better or worse within those activities but it's not like so f- so uh drastic that like your level makes a huge difference um the bigger th- the, the the bigger way you get that is kind of with like the pve and the pv like with 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 uh, Crucible and Gambit, which are like PvP and like PvP PvE respectively, where yeah. um, are competing against other people, otherwise it's just kind of like flat challenge.
1: Um, yeah, I mean that that is that almost sounds a little bit like the PvE or PvP system in WoW, uh, which is like templated to make it like fair between players. So I sort of uh, I, I definitely get that because like so uh, like climbing the loot ladder is one of the things I find really fun. Like playing an alt, I mean I have a gazillion of them. Um, But playing an alt, and then leveling from, you know, 119 to 120, right? And then going, okay, well, I'm at 284 gear, and my goal is to get, you know, 420 or whatever, blaze it. Um, And the the like i i have to okay well first i'm gonna do some world quests and these world quests are gonna be tough because i'm still in leveling gear right but then i'm gonna get into the like the mid 300s or whatever and then the world quest gear will scale scale up as i scale up until it reaches a cap which i think it's like 445 or something um, or actually i think it's lower than that i think it's like 415 for like open world content and then for like the emissary chests it'll be 445 um And so you just, like, kind of keep climbing and climbing and climbing and, like, replacing slots that are low level and looking and logging on and being like, okay, cool, is there anything that'll give me a big and be like, ah, cool, 65 item levels or whatever. Getting into groups for warfronts and stuff like that. I find that stuff really, like, fun and engaging. Um, And it gets, in the beginning of the expansion, it's actually kind of lame a little bit um, because there just isn't much of a ladder for you to climb. But at the end of an expansion, like, now there's a huge ladder to climb. Um, because now you get into Nazjatar content, and content content's going to get you a certain number of eye levels and then you'll go out of Nazjatar into, you know, uh, the Ny'alotha content, and the Ny'alotha content is how you get, you know, a certain number of I-levels, that kind of thing. Um, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and for, for Destiny, a lot of that is just kind of, like, it's not only grinding for roles, but, like, grinding to kind of, like, fill up bars that, like, give you, like, Various and like minor wars, right? Like, I'll go and shoot a bunch of stuff on the planet to, like, on on like a a planet with a certain gun to unlock a guaranteed enhancement core, and that's how you like level up. Like, you know, I've got like a bunch of guns in the bank, and some of which I would use at various times, but they all need to be kind of like updated to at least like late level, let's say nine sixty, so that they're usable in current content. And uh, you know, I need to get a certain number of uh, course do that and then like oh maybe like you know i'll get a new gun that i like and i need to invest it's something like i want to say it's like one two three five eight it's probably like 13 to 15 enhancement cores in order to get that up and that's like not hard to do but it's also non-trivial so like you know that's like i th- like you know i'm always getting more enhancement cores or i'm always like doing crucible to get like finish a weekly bounty and get a uh get like bright dust so i can buy stuff off the cosmetic store or like you know just earning levels so i get like more rewards especially for the first hundred levels in a season right like there's a bunch of rewards tied to that so you know kind of like basic grindy stuff that there's always kind of like stuff to do and like i'm at the point this season where i'm like starting to fall off of it a little bit um but you know it kind of stuff comes out at like a decent rate um like uh uh, like you know we just got out of the Christmas event and there was a bunch of rewards to do for that um actually I think this makes a good transition into what into our weeks because um, a thing just dropped in destiny which was uh, uh, Osiris had a new quest which was like find out like you know explore the, the halls of time right um and uh, there were like there's like seven symbols and you can go through them in like in any order and it was a community-based thing, right? Like, you know, there's something like seven factorial number of combinations that you could do. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you got like different words at the ends of some of them. And the big one was like, they're supposed to be a big reward. Um, and so the community did it. And like people like played for hours and hours um, and the reward was an exotic and on its own, it, it's kind of fine, but like um, this this caused a lot of consternation in the community because like it was kind of like people were expecting something more, which I think was less valid. But like I think the more valid criticism is this was a reward that was on the roadmap, right? It's just like, oh, this is just a thing that you said we were going to get eventually anyway. This feels kind of disappointing, especially after we spent like a collective couple thousand hours on this, right? Um, and so this week was like uh, just kind of like, I basically was like, i'm just gonna wait for somebody else to solve it and they did and i got my you know i don't have the actual weapon yet i have to do the actual quest for it but you know um there is much weeping and gnashing of teeth on the subreddit about like how this is like kind of what like you know this is kind of like disappointing um for what it was uh but yeah that was that was that was one part of my week was was playing through the, the 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 time stuff what about you buddy was, uh,
1: well, so there's a couple of big things. I mean, obviously, 8.3. Oh, let's talk about 8.3. So 8.3 came out, um, Nizoth attacks or whatever. And the design of this is, I have to say, really neat. And I and I really enjoy it. Um, on an, kind of like an open world sort of single player uh, basis. Essentially, what happens is, um, you know, you go through a quest line or whatever. And you're like piecing together what happens. But like, the old gods guys attack... Either the Veil vale of Eternal Blossoms from Pandaria or Uldum from Cataclysm, right? And in the other area, you have sort of fallout attacks. So, for instance, the first week, the Black Empire was attacking the Veil vale of Eternal Blossoms. And then you had two things happening in Old Doom. Either the Akir, who are like the, the Ankaraji guys, the bug guys, are attacking the left side of Old Doom, or the Amathet, who are like the, the bad guy Tolvir, are attacking the right side of Old Doom. And they're like kind of cordoned off. And these are called assaults, right? There's three three of them a week the Black Empire one lasts you know seven days the two minor ones last three days each and completing those assaults gives you like the currency or whatever and then they swap so for instance now it is the Black Empire in old doom and it is the veil of eternal blossoms is like a mogu attack or whatever you like or the and then there's a manted attack um, to kind of do so it's like six different like things and they rotate over time and so I think that that's neat and that's cool but um, but then the other content that they added is called Horrific Visions. Essentially all the stuff that you do out in the open world gains you this currency called Coalescing Visions and when you get a certain amount of it you can go to Rathion and trade it for something called a Vessel of Horrific Visions and that's your kind of like entrance ticket right? And you can only get a number of them a week depending on how much you're willing to sort of like farm um, the first, like, two or three, it seems like, are pretty easy to generate, whereas the intervening next couple are harder, right? That gains you access to something called a Horrific Vision. The Horrific Visions are alternate versions of Orgrimmar of your Horde, Stormwind of your Alliance, where, like, Nazoth has taken over and there's, like, bad guys in there. In this vision of Nazoth, you have another meter called sanity, and your sanity is slowly depleting. And the different districts will have different like adverse effects on your sanity. So like the opening area is pretty easy. Then there's two medium. Then there's two hard areas each, um, and each of them have their own little like like bonuses or whatever, right? So um, the main objective is to kill Thrall in the in the Orgrimmar one, and to kill Illyria in the the Stormwind one. And, uh, and what you're incentivized to do is sort of, like, explore this city, but you're on a timer, right? And you want to do a certain amount of objectives because those objectives are going to, like, like net you sort of, like, rewards. And, um, and so you go through, you do a bunch of stuff, right? Maybe a little, maybe a lot. And you come out and you get two new pieces of currency. One of them will upgrade your legendary cloak. Rathion is doing another legendary cloak. Who's excited? And the other one are called Corrupted Mementos. Corrupted Mementos can be spent on a talent tree that is, like, unique to Horrific Visions that basically says, you are better at Horrific Visions, right? And the Horrific Visions themselves basically have, like... Oh, man, how would I even describe it? So there's five zones, which is, like, sort of five levels of difficulty. Then there are these five masks, which you can put on... To make it harder or whatever, so does that. It's like 10 levels of. No, it's like 25 sort of ascending levels of difficulty in a way. Um, Because, like, once you do. Each of, each of the Horrific Visions has five total objectives, the four bonus objectives, and then Thrall or Illyria, right? So once you do the four bonus objectives and then kill Thrall, you then get this mask that makes the whole vision harder. And you can then do visions with masks on, and those masks will make it progressively harder and harder and harder and harder. And, harder. Um, and, uh, and doing a vision with five masks is, like, the hardest, like, it gets. So it's kind of this, like, ascending ladder of, like, hyper difficulty that you can go, like, all the way up to um, if you really want it or whatever. And that's, like, 8.3. There's also a raid. There's also some other stuff, right? But, like, that's mostly, like, 8.3. And that is just, like, a really, really tempting skeleton to get me to invest a lot of time and energy like the it it feels a lot like the mage towers but whereas the mage towers were just kind of like one and done where you kind of like enter into it and you win or you lose and you just iterate on that over and over and over again um the horrific visions feel like i really like the idea that like as you complete them you get better at completing them because you're earning more of the corrupted mementos to like level up your talent tree or whatever and so yeah and so that's it
0: yeah. No, that's that, that sounds that sounds super neat. Um uh like that that kind of like endless content is always always super fun, right? Like it's always kind of like a thing to build towards. Um like uh similar like, you know, we we're just talking about destiny. Um Iron Banner's dropping this week and so for the next week I've got like a thing to do. It gets you like four more pinnacles, right? And I can potentially do it on my alts too, so you know it, it's always kind of a thing. So, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, I mean, yeah, that sounds that sounds super, super interesting. Um, if I was currently playing well, I'd definitely check it out. But I'm not right now. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: uh, uh, other things to talk about. since we've, we've got actually two weeks to go through. Um, I saw a couple different movies. Ooh, tell uh, me all about it. The first one I'm going to talk about is uh, is called Weathering With You. Which is, uh, I believe, the the director's name is Makoto Shinkai. Same guy who did Your Name. Um, and honestly, it's kind of the same movie as as uh, as Your Name in a way that I think is like a bit worse. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just felt like I, I just while I was watching, it I was like this is kind of the 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 kind of the uh, sameish movie that I've seen before. It's very pretty. Um, it's fairly moving. Um, if you liked your name, I'm sure you'll like this movie. Um, uh, but it was um, – the, the the only thing that stood out to me besides, like, the astounding visuals was that, like um, – this is kind of a, a mark against the visuals, I guess. Is that there's, like uh, – there's this thing that they do where, like, some of the backgrounds are uh, 3D-ish type of stuff. And by 3D-ish, I mean, like, it's clearly, like, computer generated in some ways. And it's not super noticeable except when like they do like weird camera pans where like the, like, you know, the characters are clearly hand animated and like the rest of the, the world isn't, it, it's like kind of like, uh, it's kind of like how like old cartoons used to have like the bright parts for the parts that were moving. Um, it's not that bad, but I get feelings of it and it just feels kind of bad. It's the thing to highlight, but the bigger movie to talk about that I saw was 1917, which I thought was absolutely excellent. Um, I really enjoyed the story. It's a kind of typical-ish war story. So, you know, you'll probably know how you feel about that. But technically, the movie was phenomenal. Um, it was kind of – I don't want to express this. It was done as one shot. It, it was composited together. But, like, the, the camera work is one shot-ish, if that makes sense. Is, is, is that coming across? Yeah,
1: like, across? Uh, like uh, the there's that famous movie that in like. Birdman did that trick.
0: Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um I thought it worked really well for like these these characters' journeys. Um uh it's a World War 1 movie. It's uh for people who don't know the uh the basic premise is um uh two soldiers um are uh uh are have been tasked by their command to go to um essentially the front lines because they're walking into a trap and they've got like a night to make it there. And so they have to run there. And it just follows them as they're going across the uh the front the, the European country is the best way to put it. Um and there's a couple of really good moments, but but like I said, the um the camera work is great. There's a particular scene at night where there's like flares going off and just the way that the, it plays with light is fantastic. The cinematography is done by Roger Deakins who is, uh, yeah. 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 The go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I highly recommend it just for the, uh, visual spectacle alone. Um, uh, I think it definitely like, like I said, I, I enjoyed the film, but I, I could see more variation on, on people liking or disliking that. Um, but uh the sound direction is also great um and i just thought it was a, a spectacularly done movie um don't know if i really want to say anything more about it without uh spoiling anything about it but i, I it got nominated for a bunch of cat- uh categories in the academy awards and i think it deserves most of them so um nice kudos to that
1: yeah uh is that what have you been watching any like tv or anything like that
0: um Nothing with any in, no, nothing, nothing to mention at the moment.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I did watch a bit of TV because I watched The Witcher. Uh, did I talk about that? I don't, know, I don't I think so. Remember. Yeah. Uh, so I watched the, the Witcher, which was, to be honest, pretty, pretty good. It gave me lots of vibes of, uh, Marco Polo, which was worse than this. Um, uh, did you ever did you ever see Marco Polo I Netflix's did not this is Marco Polo oh my god Marco Polo was their attempt to be Game of Thrones where um uh you know it's centered around Marco Polo in the court of Kublai Khan in uh in like China and like Mongolia or whatever and like all these politics but it was so bad uh but also like in a very trashy sort of fun way. And the second season was actually, like, pretty awesome in, like, a bad, trashy sort of fun way. Because the other thing is that, like, you know, where Game of Thrones is very much, like, about, like, medieval fantasy or whatever, uh, The Marco Polo was very, like, wuja, right? Like, there's a blind kung fu master who's teaching Marco Polo how to fucking do kung fu. And his, like, you know, upstart student turns evil and joins, like, the bad guys. And it's like... But it's also like trying to be historical. It's crazy. That show is the the best, and I'm really sad that it's gone. Uh, the Witcher feels a lot like that show, um, in a lot of ways, though it is like more substantially better because it is smaller. Um, one of the interesting things about how The Witcher sort of plays out is that it focuses obviously on like Geralt, but it has a bunch of like B and C sto- side stories, and the B and C story, excuse me, the B and C stories are where. Like, the capital P politics of, you know, it's sort of Game of Thrones alike are playing out. And you're hearing all about these, like, oh, the kingdom of this is doing that. And they're invading and they're attacking. And there's these, like, big battles. And then, like, there's Geralt and he's like, "Mm, I I gotta kill this Wendigo or whatever. Um, (laughs) Which is just the best. It is just, like, such a great... I don't know. It's just like such a great interaction. I wouldn't call it uh, like amazing TV. It's actually probably, funnily enough, it is worse than Watchmen, but also like less offensive than Watchmen in a way, Um, because like it it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. uh, Its lows are lower, and its highs are lower in a way. Does that make sense? Or its lows are higher and its highs are yeah, lower. Yeah, yeah. It's just like it's like a much more consistent experience. Whereas Watchmen was like this huge roller coaster of like, oh my god, this is so great, and then also this sucks. Um,
0: I, I also feel like The Witcher has less of kind of like a like maybe I'm totally wrong because I haven't read The Witcher novels, but like it feels like The Witcher has less of a strong philosophical backing that gets violated by like the watch like the, like The Watchmen kind of violates some of some of. Uh,
1: Oh, yeah, uh, like, we had complained about, you know, like, yeah, like, look, like, the Doctor Manhattan in that TV show just does not match the Doctor Manhattan that we know in the comic, um, which sucks, right? And that might be true for, for, like, Geralt or whatever. I've never played The Witcher games or read The Witcher books, so I don't know any better. I also kind of get the feeling that, like, Geralt himself is kind of hard to, like, fuck up in a way. Like, he's yeah. a pretty basic, straightforward character that doesn't really do all that much changing or growing and he just kind of, and the world sort of like revolves around him in a way, which I think is a very natural way to sort of like structure those kinds of stories, but um, anyway I found The Witcher very compelling television, I had a great time with it.
0: From those that I have listened to who have both played the games and watched the show, they say that It seems that Henry Cavill is very clearly taking inspiration from the games, which makes sense because Henry Cavill is is, uh, quite famously a a hardcore gamer. Yeah, he's a huge Um, gamer.
1: Yeah, he fucking loves Total War Warhammer 2, which was like the weirdest thing to hear of all time uh <laughs> there's actually i think there's a couple there's like a fan petition that's like get henry cavill to like voice carl franz or something <laughs> um, which i would just be so happy about because like carl franz in in the total war warhammer community okay so one of the funny things about total war warhammer is that um consistently to this day the most played race is the empire right Even as they have not released new content for the Empire in, like, forever, right? The Empire was a base game in Total War Warhammer 1. They got one set of new units in a DLC package in that game, and then just recently got a set in the second game. And it was still everybody's, like, favorite. It was just, like, far and away the most popular faction to play. Um, And so there's a lot of memes in the Total War Warhammer community about, like, you're going to play the new, you, you know, like, you're going to play whatever, right? Like, you're going to play Nakai the Wanderer when his DLC comes out. But then Carl Franz shows up and is like, no, you're going to play another Empire game. But the thing is, is that, like, the the voice lines of him saying stuff in-game are, like, really weirdly, like, iconic and memeable. So they just have become this huge set of memes. They'll say things like, summon the Elector Counts! <laughs> or like the nation calls <laughs> and it's just like very straightforward stuff but for some reason it's the biggest meme ever in the total war warhammer community anyway as so everybody wants henry cavill to play fucking Carl franz and uh yeah i guess that's i guess that's
0: that do you support this do you do you support this uh,
1: you know what i i'm a very i i play everything right like you know i'm i'm a very all-inclusive player of the Total War Warhammer games, so um, you know, I would love to see Carl Franz come in and voice anybody that he I'm sorry, Carl Franz come in. Uh, I would love to see Henry Cavill come in to to voice anybody who he would do a really good job on. Which, by the way, the other weird thing is that Total War has a history of this, because uh, do you remember the movie Mr. Deeds with Adam Sandler and, like, the little kid? That yeah, yeah. Be in, like, the I believe that was a remake. Cody? Yeah, so one of those kids also really likes Total War Warhammer, and he voices Alithanar, because he basically was like, hey, yo, can I voice one of your characters? And they were like, yeah, sure. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's a real thing. It's a real thing that happened. What a weird world we live in, Mango. Um, yeah, I'm,
0: this is this is like just kind of culturally a, a thing that I've been noticing lately. Is like normal people play video games, right? Like my, like you know, my boss, or he, he's not technically my boss, but like one of one one of the guys who's above me in the organization, like you know, plays Fortnite. And just got into Magic the Gathering Arena. And like that's like not a thing I was expecting. Because like even though these people are like significantly younger than say my dad, it's kind of like in that same frame of reference for me at least, right? Like older older person and I like those people don't play video games, but like they do now, right? And we're gonna be those people, right? So like, you know, it's it's normal enough that like you'll you'll get those kind of crossover things. I, I guess like I don't know. It's part of, I think, the mainstreaming of video games in, in a weird way.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, the interesting thing is that, like, like I work, obviously, at a video game company, but everyone is, like, a peer in a way, right? Like, we're all about the same age uh, and doing about this, you know what I mean? And even when I was working at Square Enix, it was the same sort of thing. Like, basically, everybody was about the same age as me, right? Like um, – there are a couple of people who are like late 30s and i am in my early 30s obviously but at the end of the day we're all kind of in that like same sort of 10 year bubble it's not like there were many people who are like you know my dad's age at the at the at the top of the uh, at the top of the building not that those people don't exist in games just that like it does feel like a very very young uh skewing sort of like industry
0: Yeah, and and I guess you kind of. I I also would expect that if you are at a games company, the people in the like, the people at games companies play games, right? Like, I don't expect like I you know I don't you don't expect necessarily like uh, the 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 senior electrical guy to be like a big gamer, like you know you you don't necessarily expect that, even though it it makes sense if you if you think about it
1: yeah no um, well so one of the one of the interesting things is also kind of like learning of like the, the little game subcultures that exist like obviously like I'm well aware of I mean even just the way that I broke down that stuff about like Total War Warhammer 2 right like people making the nation calls memes are like a very specific tiny subset of gamers right and there are say like for instance so uh friend of the cast Richard who is the like the influencer guy at my company he is, like, he's like a a Fortnite, or not a Fortnite, he's a Rocket League guy, right? Like, he doesn't really play, like, he's played a little bit of League of Legends and like a little bit of, like, Magic the Gathering Arena and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but he's, like, Platt in Rocket League. That's his game, right? Like, that's the game that, like, when you and I were playing, you know, whatever, Mid-Nautilus and, like, Yasuo shenanigans like he is doing stuff in Fortnite like that's the that's like the competitive game experience that like he
0: I'm sorry but I immediately thought like well you were busy Derping around in MOBAs, I was busy mastering the car. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, and so and like and so for one of the streams because you know like every once in a while we'll do like a team stream where like members of the company will come on and stream with Richard. You know, we did a uh, we did a Rocket League stream where he like taught me fucking like Rocket League and I was really bad at it. And then my and then David who who owns the company who like heads up the company. Got in and also styled on me in Rocket League because like they are Rocket League players and like are really good at fucking Rocket League and I'm sure like you know, you know I, I'm I'm very excited because I'm going to be bringing uh, uh, a bunch of Commander decks to hang out and play Commander with these guys and I am sure that you know me playing tons and tons of Hearthstone and also you know going to PTQs and having a good understanding of Magic the Gathering or whatever is going to make me a very proficient magic player when we're when we're with them so but yeah it is uh it is it is neat uh, yeah, you, seeing you, you should, the intersection should. of this kind of stuff as games kind of like diversify and like break apart um and the different niches that that everybody is in
0: I'm sorry, but my immediate thought is like you should bring Crusader Kings to them and style them by marrying your daughter. Um,
1: <laughs> because when I think of
0: when I think of like niche community memes, I think of Crusader Kings because like that's like I don't know, I guess that's the the one that I got the most into. Then obviously Destiny, just but I feel like the MMOs are a little bit wider ranging. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, no, I definitely feel like I mean, hold on, Let, let's 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 look at.
0: Uh, or, so this is this is one that I've seen on Twitter recently, which is like, um, it's like a subset of the fighting games culture, which is somebody posts like, uh, I hate fighting game X. I was at my locals and, you know, player like did something oppressive to me and said, learn to X, white boy. And it's just like this meme that I've seen popping up all over Twitter. It's like so fucking stupid, but I love it. Uh
1: yeah, like, the Total War subreddit has 200,000 members. The Crusader Kings subreddit has 176,000 members, right? But, like, the Hearthstone subreddit is 1.2 million. The WoW subreddit is 1.3, right? Um, I don't know what Destiny is. It, it's, like, Destiny the Game, right? Destiny the Streamer yeah. is the, uh, yeah, yeah, has the... Yeah, yeah, Destiny Yeah, Destiny the Game has 1.2 million, right? Like, I just feel like they're on, like, these different sort of, like, calibers um, of engagement.
0: Yeah, uh, just, just because, like... You know, with 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 that like even if you have that many people when you have that many people, the memes also kind of just have to spread, right? Like or they have to be like not only spread, the but they also have to be like a little bit more broad based, right? Like you can't get into like super deep um kind of like references to, to, to particular mechanics, right? Like um you know, like you know when like you know like just kind of like pictures that are like when when the holy roman empire forms or whatever right it's just like like mimatic templates it's just like a thing that you don't uh you, that you don't see as much but yeah like i i love that kind of subculture stuff uh but uh yeah you, you have have you been doing anything else with your week
1: have i been doing anything else with my week um you know, uh I definitely have been paying a lot of more attention to to magic, which is neat because like there's a new uh Theros, yeah, yeah, the funny thing is that like I actually don't really like any of the new this is this is probably born of me being a commander person, not a not like a standard or modern people, I'm sure it's standard and modern and pioneer or whatever, all have different things that are looking for um uh the like like that they're that they're finding in in the new expansion or I'm sorry the new set that would like interest them but like for commander it's kind of like there's a couple of cards in there that are like neat and that like you know hey maybe I'd pick up Kiora best to the sea god because that's actually like pretty good for like game blue you know in commander or something like that but um otherwise I've been kind of uh not super interested I also like um think that Wizards is going to be featuring more Commander stuff later this year, so, like, maybe they're not really, like, worrying about it. Something that I I, I have gleaned from the, the sort of EDH community over time is that, like, as Commander sort of took off over the last ten years, they have been more and more active in kind of, like, dropping, hey, this is a card for Commander. Like, this is a card that you want for, for your Commander deck sort of thing um and because next year they're doing a whole set for commander that's like not standard legal um they're doing uh and then they're doing like commander staples in like green or something like that like signature spells i think it's called in green um and stuff like that they are uh they might be pulling some of that like commander focused stuff out of like the modern the pioneer and the standard sets
0: yeah uh I don't know, maybe maybe I'll get back on the magic train at some point, but uh, I just haven't felt the urge recently.
1: Yeah. I mean, did you like Thrones of Eldraine? Like, did you think that was a good set?
0: I I very much enjoyed it. Um, you know, Oko stuff aside. Um, but basically, I get to a like, when I was before Eldraine and into the beginning of Eldraine, like, there was still enough, like, I get a lot of joy from, like, kind of spinning up new decks and just kind of going with it. And Eldrin was the point where I kind of, like, ran out of new ideas to pursue, and, like, I kind of had played, like, basically my mono green food deck was was a little too good uh, compared to my other decks, and so, like, I kind of wanted to play that a bunch, but at some point it burned out on that, and I basically burned out on my decent decks, and so, like, probably in, like, another six months, maybe with, like, M21, um, I'll pick it back up again and, like, have enough new kind of stuff to go through that I won't feel, uh, feel as like kind of like you know like i had been playing my my second cap deck for too long at that point my mono green deck was uh was good but not so dominant that i could climb all the way up the ladder with it um my black and blue kind of like trixie deck was fine but like since like lost enough that i like like wasn't having a super great time like, that's actually not true i was doing i was doing well enough with it just like was it like it basically just like got tired of playing the same decks um which is why I burn out on on those types of games uh so yeah, uh, yeah. I just need more cards yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. i need I need I not i need less is that I need more cards it's I need less of the existing cards so I'm forced to rebuild my decks yeah. type of stuff, which will happen so yeah. yep yep. Uh, well, I guess that's about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: if you've got anything that you want to tell us about uh, rating or any of the other things you talked about in this podcast, you can reach us at subdurbsplaygames at gmail.com or uh, podcast at subdurbsplaygames.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash subdurbsplaygames. You can support us on Patreon, subscribe, and rate us wherever you find podcasts. Um, that's everything I had. But do you have anything else you wanted to promote?
1: I have nothing else I'm looking to promote.
0: In that case, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.